Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Ben. Like Art said, I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, I'm repping one of our T-shirts that our, our high school ladies made. I could not be more proud of you. And uh, my, my pastor, when I first started doing ministry, was this old crotchety Presbyterian guy, and uh, he would be rolling over in his grave if he was dead right now that I'm wearing a T-shirt as I'm about to preach. But I'm going on sabbatical, so it doesn't matter. All right, let's jump in. So one of the things, like you, I'm sure, I am mesmerized by people who are wholly devoted to something. People who are so devoted to something that they are amazing and fantastic. I mean, people who take their entire lives, are single-minded, run after this thing, and then end up being able to accomplish just incredible things for all time. Um, every four years, there's the Olympics. Last year in 2016, uh, Simone, um, oh man, I always forget her last name. Yeah, she, uh, <laughs> she, is mesmerizing, right? Like I, I, I could never do gymnastics in the sit and reach in middle school. I can't even touch my knees. Um, I'm, I'm, I cannot do gymnastics at all. And you watch these gymnasts, you watch Simone and you were like, oh my goodness, this is what it's like for someone to spend their entire life single-minded, devoted to this craft. And they can do the most incredible and beautiful things with their body. And she won and it, and it was awesome. I can't do gymnastics, but one thing I can do that I love that I'm becoming single-minded devoted to is uh, surfing, but I don't have good um, um, balance or I'm not strong or an athlete. But in my mind, I want to be so good. And so what I do is I just sit and read like surfing magazines. And I came across this picture. I'm like, this is my dream to hang five, to do so good, to catch a wave and to put five little toes over the end. The only time that happens to me is when I'm about to crash and I'm running off the end of my board and it's not pretty. There is one thing, though, that I can do that I'm single-minded in my devotion of, and I've, I've confessed this many times to our church and to our staff, but I love eating. And when it comes to eating, I am single-minded in my devotion to eating. But even in the world of the internet, like how I imagine being single-minded eating, the internet is incredible. My son showed me this YouTube that even mesmerized me. Check this out. Unbelievable. I know. Who knew what I did in private on my way to SFO you could make like a million dollars on, on the internet for? All right. Those are fun things to be devoted to. We're at church, so let's talk about being devoted to Christ. Um, I, came across, um, I came across this gym um, on the side of this gym. Look at this thing. That's intimidating. That would not fly in Marin or anywhere. But it's there. It's this place. I love it. The Lord's Gym. Bench pressing the sins of the world. I love this idea when we think about being devoted, being devoted to Christ. A lot of times, at least for me, I naturally think I want to be devoted to Christ. I want to be spiritually ripped. And what does that mean? It means I'm going to read scripture. I'm going to say yes to things of God. I'm going to say no to things of God. I'm going to be, you know, connected to all these things that God has for me and his Holy Spirit's going to live in me and I'm going to bear fruit, right? We talk all the time about being connected to the vine, uh, that Jesus is the vine, we're connected to him. And when we're connected to him, we bear fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Self-control is the last one I know. We're connected to Christ and we bear fruit. As Christians, we long to be devoted to Christ and to bear fruit. Um, but this morning, uh, we're going to take this and, and look at it from a little bit of a different angle. And I think actually more of a correct angle, but one that we don't nat- naturally think about. We think about being devoted to Christ as this individual task that we do to make sure that we're doing well so we can be used by God. But as we read scripture, we realize there's no way to be followers of Christ without being connected to the body of Christ. There's no way to be fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and do it all by yourself. 
The only way to be a truly devoted follower of Jesus Christ is to be connected to the body, to come to church, to be a part of the church world and church process. And so what we're going to do is we're going through Acts. We're going to spend all fall reading through Acts. And I get the pleasure of reading through Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So if you have a Bible, you can pull it out in front of you. You can put it on your phone. You can tag me on Instagram, whatever you're doing on your phone. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to hop into God's Word here. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for all the things that you have to say in it and through it. And this morning as we come and approach it, Jesus, we pray that you would have your way with us, that you would mold us and shape us into the image of your Son so that we can give you honor and glory in all things. And all of God's kids said, Amen and Amen. Okay, here we are. Verse 42, it says this. They, the Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe with the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to everyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily to those who were being saved. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of the church. But what's interesting is it's not they individually. Like individually, all these people gathered and did these spiritual things. It was this group of believers, this group of Christ followers who gathered together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so what I want to look at this morning is a tough sell in an individualistic context where we live in, but it's this idea that we are called to corporate devotion— Just like you may be devoted to certain things in your personal life, just like you have devotion to Christ in your personal life and individually, there's certain things that Christ is actually inviting us to that corporately, together with you and with me, together that God has said there's things that he has for us to do corporately. We are called not just to come to church, but we are called to this idea of corporate devotion. We're called to to submit ourselves to the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And what's interesting is, I love God. I read scripture and I want to know and follow him. Um, but what's interesting is, God's invisible. And if I just do that by myself in my room only, it's easy for me to f- find my five favorite verses and to develop a faith that just satisfies me based on my five favorite verses. And I can easily move away from what Christ has for me. And so there's a discipline with taking not just what I do in my own devotional life, but I'm willing to submit and come and be a part of a larger grouping of Christians and willing to listen to, uh, to pastors and to small group leaders to work that out in the community and to wrestle with what it means to know and love Jesus, to look at the whole counsel of Scripture. We don't just take the passages that we like and that's the end of it. And what's interesting is that as a church, as a pastor uh, at, at Marin Covenant Church, we also don't individually as a local church say, This is what we do here at Marin, and that's all that we're going to take our five favorite passages of Scripture. But we're part of a denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church. And because we're part of this denomination, we're submitting ourselves to the larger body of Christ and wanting to know what God is doing in the larger body of Christ and having how God is speaking and influencing larger, I mean, other churches in other contexts. And that informs our church for how we do ministry and how we read Scripture, which should then inform you and how you read read Scripture and follow Christ. And so we can't just be single-mindedly devoted to Christ and to his word in our own personal life, which is part of our walk with Christ. 
God calls us to be invited into a body of Christ, to wrestle and to work out our theology and to be rooted in Scripture based on how a congregation and a body of Christ sees Scripture, right? The way that we see Scripture, the way that we see God is rooted in our interpretation of Scripture. So we're called to corporate devotion. And part of that is the apostles' teaching. The second is that we're called to fellowship. And I always thought fellowship was friends. We're all friends. I mean, people have friends. And even if you don't have friends, you at least have a Facebook and have two or three fake friends. But we all have like friendship. And most people are actually pretty nice to their friends. I have a group of guys that I get to hang out with every now and then. They're not remotely connected to the church. In fact, they didn't even want me to be part of their group because I'm a pastor and uh, that was fun. But I snuck in and I got to be friends with this group of guys and, um, and they love each other. They're a good group of guys and they love me. And I'm like, look at these guys. They love, this is fellowship. Except if someone crosses them, it is like game on, right? They love their people. But anyone who's ever crossed them, like they don't even know what the word forgiveness means. They don't know what the word humility means, right? Because it's just this group of guys and they love their friends, but they don't love people. And it's a very unique Christian thing. People have been around the church think, oh, that's what we do. We all just love people. No, everybody loves their friends. It is a unique Christian thing to be with people who are not your friends and learn to love them, to learn to forgive them, to be humble and walk with life with people who are totally different than you. That happens nowhere. That is a unique Christian thing. And that only happens when we come and we gather together. So we have the apostles teaching and we have fellowship. And then we have the breaking in bread and prayer, breaking of bread and prayer. And the only way that we can fully be the church, the thing that God longs for us to be is not just to have our theology right in our head and not just be with people who are different from us, but that we must be connected to the Holy Spirit. Being a follower of Christ is someone who is rooted in the things of God and the Holy Spirit dwells in them and we make space for the Holy Spirit to have his way in us. The breaking of bread, the sacraments, the discipline of recognizing that is the body of Christ that that feeds us and the blood of Christ that heals us. And the churches realize that there's something in that moment that is unique. It's a sacrament that there's this presence of God that is unique in that moment. And we recognize that every month and we lean into that and we pray with our guts, not just as a discipline and as a rope, but we pray leaning in, asking for the Holy Spirit to have his way in me personally, but even more so in us and through us corporately. So that's, that's how it begins. It says, they devoted themselves to these things, the apostles teaching, the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. And I think if we're going to be the church that God longs for us to be, we have to take our individual devotion to Christ and take that and then be devoted to the body of Christ. And just like individually, when we're devoted to Christ individually, the fruit of the Spirit happens in us and dwells in us, and our lives become marked with the fruit of the Spirit. If you're individually devoted to Christ and the Holy Spirit's alive in you, your life more and more is going to be marked with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and Oh yeah, self-control. I always forget faithfulness. Nice work, Christine. Okay. In the same way, if we as the church are connected and devoted in these things, there's going to be fruit in us as well. And there's three fruit that I want to look at this morning. The first one is this. It goes, in verse 43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. So if we do church right, the very first fruit that we're going to see is that we, the fruit of our ministry has to be a prophetic ministry that restores. 
That's kind of a big, fancy, jumbled up word. But what that means is that we um, have to represent who God is with our words and our deeds. We are called to be prophets, not the shake your finger, yell at people, and blow them up on Facebook sort of prophets. We are to be the prophets that restore. I love this passage of Scripture because they did these things. The apostles, they went out and healed people. The, the followers of Christ, they shared all their resources and gave them to the, need, the needy. And then they did like the first, uh, kind of the first version of civil disobedience. They did all of that at the temple courts. And when you read that, you're like, oh, look at those guys gathering together in church and doing these things. No, they went to the temple courts where weeks earlier, Jesus threw over the temple, I mean, threw over all the tables and had whips and like drove everybody out and caused this huge chaos and say, listen, you've taken my father's house, this house of prayer, and made it into a den of robbers. And Jesus is like, no, that is not going to happen here. And here we have the disciples and the followers of Christ showing up in the temple courts and the, the place where God's presence was supposed to be, the place that was supposed to be the perfect picture of who God was and the things of God. And they, in the civil disobedience way, stepped in and they lived out caring for the poor and the marginalized, the weakest and brokest, broken among them. The people who the apostles healed, right, were the lame and the, the blind the people who are fully outcast and had no repercussion, no way to get back in, that's who they were healed. And, and it said, no one, and it said everyone, um, no one had a need among them. It is an incredible, incredible thing. And I think, how in the world did these guys just not get taken out by the Sanhedrin and all of them just got crucified? And the reason is, one of the commentators said that the Sanhedrin, they, they couldn't do anything because there was no recourse. Because these, these followers of Christ were so humble, that they were so virtuous, that they lived such holy and pure lives. There was nothing that the religious leaders could hang on them. There was nothing that they can blame them for. And, um, and they were so generous in their almsgiving. And I think that God is calling us, if we're going to do church right, if we're going to be truly gifted followers of Christ, then we have to be people who are willing to take the gifts and resources that God has given us and actually go and find those thin places where the kingdom of God is meeting the kingdom of the world. And we have to leverage our status, our resources, our friendships in order to care for the weakest and poorest among us, to be a prophetic ministry that restores. I love this picture. This picture is actually from uh, 1960 in Nashville. And uh, these were the sit-ins uh, that were happening at Walgreens at the beginning of the civil rights movement. And uh, there was this group of Christian men. They were, they were the Nashville Christian Leadership Council. And this group of Christian men recognized, which what most people were recognizing increasingly, was the way in which our country was dealing with other humans and other humans of different races was not okay. And there were certain laws that seemed to be okay. And these guys were like, nope, these Jim Crow laws, these segregation laws are not okay. And these noble Christian men, because of their character, because they simply sat on a counter and were peaceful and just did this thing, and the, and the ruling people came in and arrested them, and then they would go and sit again, and women started to join them, and then some Caucasian women and men joined them, and it just grew and grew in this thing. And it became such a thing that they couldn't keep arresting them and kicking them out that they actually changed the laws in Nashville. In six months, this subtle protest that was, became not subtle, that was rooted in these people's faith and, and had weight because of their character, ended up changing the laws in Walgreens in 1960. And those are things that we get to do. We think in our context, if we just shake our fists, if we protest, if we scream at each other, that that's going to get things done. And all change that has, that's happened with mob rule 
only ends with those leaders dying and mob rule killing other people. Like mob rule never solves anything. It feels so good, but it does not solve anything. And as followers of Christ, we are invited to be on the front lines to care for the weakest and poorest among us. And it's hard in our context. It's a blue county and a blue state, and we think we're all noble blue people, but that's not the case. We have to own our own racism, our own classism, our own garbage, and not let people around us dehumanize one another or speak in certain ways and leverage our resources for them, even if they're friends speaking a certain way. Now, I'm saying that because that's still a growing edge for me, but I think it should be our growing edge. And it's, that's one of the fruits. If we're doing church right, we are on the front edge of, the, edge of that. The second fruit is that when we meet together and worship and uh, spend time in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer, the second fruit is that we're going to have glad and heartfelt community. It says this, that not only did they do these things in temple courts, it goes on and says that they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Wouldn't that be an awesome fruit? If you came to church and you were gathered with other Christians and that one of the results was my, your heart was glad. Gosh, you had glad and heartfelt community. Not, oh, it's Bible study time. That's the worst. No, but you had glad and heartfelt community. And what's interesting is that when Christians actually gather together, when Christians meet up with one another and do genuine, true community, that is the fruit. There's this glad and heartfelt community. Um, I'm really lucky I get to be a part of this ministry called uh, MCC Go. It's a ministry for uh, entrepreneurs and founders. And uh, Daniel Kushner is, is the MC of it and does such a fantastic job um, with it. And I'm, I'm going to give you a little inside baseball. As a pastor, we kind of have this unique relationship with you and, and our congregation, right? Because no one comes to church thinking, I got my faith together and my family's all together. Everyone kind of walks into church like, I'm hoping I'm doing this thing right, or my kids are all out of control. And we as pastors, we get to walk with you and we get to pray with you. And so we get a little bit of inside scoop that you're not as clean and beautiful as you all present on a Sunday morning. And it's, it, it's an honor. However, it's interesting when you all then gather with each other, but you don't present like you're all broken. You all present as beautiful, confident, noble people. And so I go to this MCC Go gathering and this, this group of like 15, to, uh, 15 or 18 of these women and men who are just beautiful and brilliant and incredible and titans of industry and brand new people starting out in, in, uh, in industry. And we're gathered together and it is an intimidating group. Like I look at the pastor, I'm like, I know your stuff. I know your stuff. Isn't this fun to be together? But if I step back, I'm like, oh, this is an intimidating group. It is scary for this group to come together. And any one of them would blow any of our socks off with their brilliance and their education and what God's calling them to do. But the, if you do it right, you leave with glad and heartfelt community. So Daniel does this great job making it a safe community. And uh, this last week, uh, Terry Anderson, one of the old guys in our church, he shared um, about his life. And he and his resume and background is incredible. He is brilliant and he's done incredible things. And, uh, and it would be so easy for him just to be like to brag for 20 minutes. And we all just go, whoa, you're awesome. But he didn't brag at all. He gave a little bit of his background and then shared about what God has done in his life how God has led him from one way of seeing the world into this other way of seeing the world, and how God is changing the way in which he understands how to move with him and grow with him and have this devotional life. And here this brilliant, incredible, intimidating man revealed his heartfelt love for God and changed the whole tone in that room. And that whole room then gets to go, and then they shared 
their life and their movements and their stuff that God's doing in them and then prayed for each other. And it was a, all that happened in 45 minutes. But I knew it was a heartfelt community because that, that, that the program ended at 8.45 and it wasn't until 11 o'clock at night till the last person finally left. Like, please leave. Because there's a group of people that just did not want to leave. It's like, I'm so tired of being girded up and pretending to be something I'm not all the time. And I just want to be seen and known and loved. And if we do church correctly then when we gather, you know we've done it correctly because your heart will be glad. So that's the second thing. And the third is this, that we enjoy favor from all the people. So they broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. Now, there used to be a day in Christianity when, how do you know if you're doing Christianity right? Well, you, they know, you know you're doing it right when you're persecuted, right? It'd be like, if you persecuted in Jesus' name, then you're doing it right. And that gave license for Christians just to be total jerks. And uh, that did not work well, apparently, for all of us. And I know it didn't work well because here we are in Marin, and I love being in Marin. I meet people, and everything is going swimmingly until they say, well, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm a pastor. And they go, oh, whoop, Right? We don't, in our context, we don't go around and be like, I'm a Christian, it's so great being Mer- part of the Marin Covenant, it's so awesome, Jesus rules. No. Right, if you're from a context that's like that, and you should up here like, oh, got it. We are not enjoying favor from all the people at all. However, if we did the church right, if we did church right, then we will enjoy favor from all the people. When I first... Um, applied for this job, Art sent me this book, The Church of Irresistible Influence. And I passed it on to Danny when she first got here. And, and I think we should, as a church, we should all read it. And basically the bottom line is this, is if our church closed up shop tomorrow, would anyone even notice or care? And what a great way to think about how we're doing and what we're doing. If we closed up shop, would anybody even care? If City Impact closed up tomorrow, there's parts of San Francisco that would feel it so deeply. They would care. And how lucky that we as a church get to partner with them. And we in our context have to be the same way. We have to live in such a way that if we all disappeared, Marin would be less for it. And let's be honest, we're Christians. We believe really weird things. I mean, all throughout uh, Acts, as we're going to see, that when Paul would go out and he would speak to non-Jewish people about this person, Jesus, this rabbi who, uh, who was descendant of King David and who died and who rose again and wants to establish this, this spiritual kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, everyone's like, that's weird. And let's be honest, it is weird. And there's, it's really deep and it's incredible and it's a game changer and we should wrestle with it and think about it. But that's our theology and that's not going to change. So let's own that we believe some weird stuff. But the fruit of the weird things that we believe should not mean that we're jerks. The, the fruit of the weird things that we mean mean that we should be so loving and gracious and merciful that, they, that our testimony should not be Christians are jerks and hypocritical. They should be, those guys believe weird things, but we're so thankful when they show up. We're so thankful when they come to our restaurant and they tip us. We're so thankful when they come to school and make sure we have all the paper and pens we need. We're so thankful that when they, wherever they show up, they bring God's goodness and grace. We are doing this right if we enjoy favor from all the people. If the people around you's lives are not better because of you, then you're doing it wrong. And we as a church, if Marin County is not better because of us, then we're doing it wrong. And so we want to be devoted together. Individually, you have to be devoted to Christ. Work out your stuff. Figure out your theology. Work out your baggage. Figure out why your, your, you know, your fundy aunt, what she did to you and how that's messing you up. Like whatever your thing is, work that out. But we come together and we come together and devoted together to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. 
And if we do that right, the fruit is going to be so clear. We are going to be living out a prophetic message that restores. The poorest and most marginalized around us will have advocates and champions. We're going to leave our time together with our hearts feeling stirred and and uplifted. And people around us may think we believe weird things, but they are going to love when we come near. So at the end of every sermon, we're going to have an action item. And this action item uh, feels kind of weird as a pastor to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. It says this, Will you be devoted to our worshiping community? Will you be devoted to our corporate worshiping community? Now listen, I'm going on sabbatical, so if you're like, I never come back to church again, I'm not even going to know. Um, It used to be if you didn't come to church, then we didn't get paid, but now you can give online. So you could still never go to church and give and we'll still get paid. So that's fine too. You could be like, Marin Covenant is so weird and I came once and this is not my cup of tea and that's fine too. So there's, I'm trying my best. This is not a selfish, ego-driven, we need more butts in the seats sort of request. This is a request that you would be devoted to our corporate worshiping community if we're not to find a corporate worshiping community for you to be devoted in. Not for my ego, not for our bottom line, but because Jesus longs for his kingdom to come and be present here. And that doesn't happen when you individually know and love God and work out your faith in him. That happens when you are willing to link arms with the weird person sitting next to you who's different from you in every way and who's working out their faith. And when we, as the church, are devoted to one another, the kingdom of God comes on earth as it is in heaven. We, do a, we will live out a prophetic ministry that restores. We will have a glad and heartfelt community. And we will enjoy favor from all the people. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, I'm so thankful that you are so patient with me, that you're so long-suffering with me and with our church. For we long to be people who love you. And we just recognize that we are individual people working on our individual lives. But I pray that through your spirit, you would nudge us into deeper community with you and with each other. That we would not only be devoted individually, but corporately, God, we would be devoted to you, to your teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. We pray, God, that you would have your spirit with us individually and corporately so your kingdom may come on earth as it is in heaven and that this whole county would give you praise and honor because of the good deeds of your church. We love you, Jesus. And all of God's kids said, amen and amen.